Hi everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today we have Brian Morgan, who is the founder of Adventure Club. Brian, how are we doing today? Very good, thank you. It's an adventure life, Eric. Adventure life. Adventure yes. Club's a, that's a DJ group, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, adventure Club, sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Brian, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll go from there. All right, so I started Adventure Life uh, 15 years ago now. Uh, so it's been a, it's been an incredible journey along the way. Um, and what kind of set me on the road on this journey was uh, a, a love of travel and a love of experiencing other cultures. So before um, starting Adventure Life, I had gone to Russia for a year and lived in Moscow for 10 months in the mid-90s. And, and that was uh, definitely a, 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 almost a life-changing experience. Um, and then after graduate school, rather than go the route of uh, getting a job with a with a large consultancy, um, which was the route I was going. I had just received my master's in economics and um, had received a couple job offers, uh, one in D.C. and one in Chicago. I determined I wasn't ready for that route because I knew once I went that route, um, I would do what everybody does in that route, which I would, which I, I did later. <laughs> I would obtain a, a car and a house and and all these things, which are are great to have, but also um, don't allow you to necessarily cut loose and and go travel somewhere for a year. So I basically turned down those job offers and I moved to Ecuador. And um, I didn't know any Spanish at the time. Um, I barely I could barely say hello and goodbye. And I spent another um, about. Ten months again, um, mostly in Ecuador, a little bit in Peru and in Bolivia, and then determined it was time to come home to Montana. And I wanted to find a way to live in Montana and do something exciting. And um, thus, I thought, well, gosh, I could go with people to Ecuador and show them around, and and that would be like a nice hobby to have while I had my other job that was more traditional. And it turned out that there was an entire industry there that I could thrive in. And um, thus, Adventure Life was born, if you will, with just my, me, myself, and I, and um, has since grown. And, and we have about 20 people here in the office in Missoula and, and host um, several thousand customers a year now. Got it. Wow, cool. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little more about um, Adventure Life? You know, it sounds really interesting. It sounds like something all entrepreneurs should at least give a shot. Sure. Well, I don't want everybody to get into the, the field. But, um, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic industry. It's always changing. Um, the, the rules are, um, it's not like there's a, a set way to do things. There's lots of ways to uh, launch these businesses and operate these businesses. So you have a lot of autonomy and creativity. Um, so Adventure Life, essentially, uh, we started offering uh, set tours. So we had a handful of itineraries and people could sign up for those itineraries for those departures. And we've since transformed over the years into a uh, more of a tailor-made uh, travel company. So we're essentially, we do a lot of concierge service where people come to us and they have these ideas and these dreams about what they want to do. And they don't necessarily have the time or they don't necessarily feel um, comfortable doing all the research themselves. And, and your vacation time is precious. You know, you, you're working all year round. You only have a couple weeks, maybe only a week because 
you're the other week you need to go visit family or something. Um, and so they come to companies like me and they rely on our expertise to provide them these experiences overseas that they're looking for. And those experiences that we really um, specialize in include um, wildlife safaris. Uh, we do um, a lot of very cultural focused trips where we even have homestays in some places. Um, the homestays are oftentimes very short, but it's just that enough of that to give a taste of that. Um, and we also have trips that go to really off the beaten path places. For example, Antarctica is really popular, um, as is the Arctic. Um, and I've got staff that uh, maintain their expertise by going to these places regularly. Wow. Okay, cool. And how are revenues, uh, you know, revenues looking today? Uh, they've been good. You know, we, we were hit uh, very hard. The whole travel industry was hit very hard in 2008 um, mm -hmm. when the stock market crashed. Um, and um, it's no secret that Adventure Life and many companies, I think every company I know of um, in the travel industry, uh, suffered during that time. But um, we've recovered fully from that time period. And I, I, I believe many of my colleagues, and it's a very competitors are oftentimes we consider ourselves colleagues as well and that's a nice part of the industry um, but they've really recovered fully and um, are looking strong okay so I mean you know walk us through some of the struggles you, you face in, in 2008 like you no know, like one thing you had to go through and kind of what you learned from it sure I understand a lot of your um, your viewers are uh, tech marketers and so we used to do a lot of pay-per-click advertising mm -hmm. and get pay-per-click advertising for when things only cost a penny that later were costing $5 a click. So we saw a, a lot of growth in this. Um, we saw a lot of return on our investment, but we also saw this, this um, really exponential um, increase in our expenses in that marketing channel. And um, in 2008, when, uh, when sales slowed down so much, we, had to, we decided to really rethink our focus and our energies and where we we're going to spend our resources in marketing. And we actually pulled back from um, all of the, the pay-per-click advertising that we were doing. Um, actually stopped at cold in by February 2009 and instead focused our energies on, um, on building up uh, online uh, marketing that would have longer legs, longer shelf life. So we focused a lot more on our social media content. Uh, so we focused a lot more on building our user-generated content. Um, we focused a lot more on our PR campaigns. And, and I feel that that, that um, effort really uh, paid off for us because we haven't until really actually just the last couple of weeks, we haven't needed to even think about uh, getting back into the pay-per-click arena. And now we're at a point where, where we feel like we've developed those areas pretty well and we're um, now looking to get back involved in the pay-per-click arena, but in a more, um, a more focused way than we were before. Um, so that was kind of the, the struggle was changing our marketing, um, uh, our marketing infrastructure and what we were doing for marketing and where we were spending our money and focusing on things that would have longer shelf life. Got it. Okay. So you guys stepped away from PPC for the time being, and then you guys went more into the content marketing, uh, you know, slash SEO, um, you know, type of stuff. And then, you yep. know, obviously that takes more time to develop, but you guys understood, uh, you know, you guys understood it was, it was a long-term game. So, you know, not a lot of people can understand that. Great. Um, cool. Is there anything you yeah. can share that you guys do, um, you know, specifically on the content marketing side that has worked for you guys? 
Well, one thing we do is we have our we have our own blog um, that is that we we try to get customers to um, to contribute to, and we have photo albums. And although you don't have a lot, we don't have a lot of interaction on that in that social media space because you you need a, a certain volume as Facebook has shown to have. Uh, inter- a lot of interaction going on, but by having by hosting our own blog and our own um, our own uh, um, uh, photo albums, we've been able to gather user generated uh, content, particularly images, and those users um, agree to share their images with us, and and we've been able to really enhance the quality of our images and the quality of uh, and and how we're able to display. Um, to new customers what that experience will look like because we're able to use user-generated photos. Mm-hmm. So I feel that even though that's maybe not that's not a direct, you know, hey, we had this marketing thing and it returned this many customers, I feel that that has enhanced the way we're able to portray ourselves to an incredible degree rather than relying on professional photography that just doesn't really look real a lot of times. We're able to uh, utilize true snapshots from customers and I really feel that our prospective travelers really like that. So that's been a great thing for me and we have now tens of thousands of of user-generated photos to draw from. Got it. Cool. So I want to backtrack a little bit. I mean, you know, everyone, you know, wants to have that time in their life where they're traveling, you know, for three months or, you know, 12 months or whatever. Sure. And then, you know, you're going into a brand new country. I mean, you know, what are some tips, you know, some, some kind of must have tips for, you know, for people in our audience that want to do that? They want to do that? Yeah. Um, don't, don't get a mortgage on a house or a, or, or a car loan. <laughs> that would be the first one, I guess. It's hard to do to go off for three to 12 months, right? Um, but I guess, you know, you're, maybe you're asking, um, you know, when you're, when you're traveling, when you're actually on the ground traveling, for me, I love just letting things happen. I like showing up into a, a city or into a, a small town and just settling down. For several days, sometimes several weeks, um, even on occasion several months, and and getting a feel for the place, and not necessarily being in a rush to go see all the sites, uh, because it's when you kind of sit around, you know, when you hang around for a while, and you get to know people who are also doing the same thing that you are, that are settled in that area. Um, that's when you really get to discover some of the the really interesting and unique. Um, aspects of that new home and that's when you start to feel go from feeling like you're a visitor to feeling almost like you're a local people start asking you for directions so so that for me that's a big part of if you're going to do a long trip is is don't be in a hurry to move from place to place got it okay cool and i I mean you know these trips are have always been described as as life-changing i mean you know how has how has traveling kind of changed your life aside from you know getting your business idea um how has traveling changed my life? Well, I, I we live in Missoula, Montana, which is a small community. There's about 70,000 people here. And yet I feel really connected to a global world. Um, so many of my best friends, um, they don't, you know, I have best friends here in Missoula, but I also have best friends that live in Argentina and Buenos Aires. And I have, I have best people I consider best friends, like close, close friends that I've known for over a decade that live all over the world now and so when I I mean that just changes when you have that happen when you have really close friends that you have known for so many years it just changes your perspective on on so many things when you hear things happening in the news you actually you worry about 
maybe what's going on with your with, with your friend in that place. Um, so I, I think it's just giving that global perspective and yet being able to be to live in this small mountain town, um, which offers an incredible lifestyle as well. Got it. So perspective. Cool. So, you know, with Adventure Life, I mean, you know, how did you how did you go about acquiring your first, let's say, you know, your first hundred customers? <laughs> I don't know. Through, through luck. <laughs> um, well, when I first started Adventure Life, I, I definitely didn't understand what I was doing at all. I made a little uh, trifold, trifold brochure and I put it up in uh, at universities in like the the rec areas and and I took it to local travel agents and I went to co- I, I put it up in coffee shops you know the pin up it, the pin the, the the boards where you can pin things up and uh, nobody called me so that was definitely the wrong approach and and then I uh, and then I this was um, early 1999 and then I decided wait a minute uh, I need a website <laughs> so so I I developed a website by myself it was terrible then I found somebody who um, who did it for free for me it was just like 15 pages long or something and at that time I was really fortunate that it was early in the early internet days and people just started to find me and I had a little online form and I had a cell phone and um, and people started just I think um, by chance finding me um, because this was the early days. So I was very fortunate in that, although there were other companies that offered uh, that offered trips to, and this was just I only had trips to Ecuador and Peru at the time. Although there were other companies that did this, it was still early on the internet, and they weren't focusing on that yet. And I was ready to focus on that, and that's how those first customers found me. Got it. Cool. And then now you're at the stage where you're doing ten to fifteen million a year. I mean, are you? personally going on, on these trips or do you have like other people that you've hired to help out with that? Sure. Uh, we're a team of 20 people here in Missoula, Montana. Right. And um, all of those people, we all travel at least once a year. And we're on the road for anywhere. You know, Typically it's a two-week trip. Sometimes it's 10 days, but typically it's a couple of weeks. So there's somebody from the office out in the field most days of the week. And that's how we maintain our connections. That's one of the ways we maintain our connections with our suppliers, with our hosts and the guides we work with. Um, and that's one of the ways we do our own um, our own inspections of hotels. And that's where we find new places and things like that. Got it. So how is the adventure life uh, experience different from you know your, your colleagues or your competitors? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think one of the big differences is we're, we're so focused on tailoring the experience to what our traveler wants. Um, so we are we are really happy to create a customized trip for somebody for just two people. It doesn't have to. You don't have to join a set group of, that we've got going on um, and and do what they're doing. We're really happy to tailor it to you. Oh, pardon me. No worries. Um, so uh, we are super happy to uh, tailor an experience to to you. And, and I think that makes a big, that's a, that's a big difference at the front of the trip as well. So we're here, you know, people come to us and they've read about different itineraries, they see our itineraries online, they've, they've seen competitors, they come to us and the first thing we do is we ask them, well, what is it that you want to experience? What is it about Peru? What is it about Machu Picchu that has you most excited? What, why do you want to visit there? And, and then we, and we, so we start with questions basically and we start by listening. 
and then we tailor the experience to them as well as add in our own suggestions and our own approach to, to providing that great experience. So then when they get to the, on the ground, um, one of the great ex differences in traveling with a company like ours is we don't, we're not trying to be the biggest company out there. We want to, we want to provide the best experience. So we only work with a handful of guides in each location and we know those guides and those guides, um, feel like, you know, although they're subcontractors, they're part of our team and often they're only working with us all season. And so, um, they, those guides, because they're, they feel fortunate to be working with only a couple people who are truly interested in, in experiencing that place rather than working with a big, uh, you know, big busload of people. They're also more open to, to sharing some of their own local lives. So we have stories of people being invited over to somebody's, uh, to a guide's house to celebrate a family member's birthday. And, and that's pretty cool when you're in Cusco and you're like, hey, you know, we can go out to dinner tonight or if you want, my cousin's having a birthday party. Would you like to go there? I mean, that's a pretty, that's a very unique experience that's hard to have. Um, so I think it's that level of intimacy that we're able to provide on the ground as well as the, the desire to really tailor the experience to what the traveler is looking for. Got it. Cool. And I know, you know, before we started the interview, you know, you mentioned how you guys are, uh, you guys kind of integrate technology, you know, with your business. Is there anything uh, specifically, you know, that, that stands out? Well, we keep, um, I actually have two IT developers on staff, so we're, we're very busy doing things. Um, and uh, a report recently came out um, with the ATTA, which is the Adventure Travel Trade Association. And it mentioned something like, I think it was like almost 80% of companies in this uh, industry create their own, um, they, don't, they, they don't buy off-the-shelf software. They have to basically create their own IT infrastructure for operating the tours, for do, dealing with the reservations, for dealing with the customers. So for us, um, I, I think, what am I most proud of? I mean, the website in itself isn't, um, it's not using simply an off-the-shelf um, structure. We've really thought long and hard about the way to to provide the mo you know all, as much relevant information as we can to a customer and do it in a way that's really um, focused on researching the travel experience rather than just maybe taking something off the shelf and, and plugging in a few elements and, and, and working within the limitations of that structure so the website itself we're quite proud of um, and then it goes all the way down to the way we interact with customers from the beginning to the end where we're able to track all of the um, interaction we've had with our customer um, from the first call they make to the call that we make to the client when they come back and so we really know the customer and so I think it's it's I know it's maybe a little nebulous but we've had to develop a lot of that ourselves from from some of the CRM stuff we use to our, our um, to our um, to what we call our our, our operations um, software that actually does the reservations to integrating that with our website. Uh, we're, we're constantly trying to build this um, the infrastructure in our office to work best for the industry. And it's a very fast-changing industry. I would say travel is changing, um, you know, basically right behind technology itself. We're changing with it all the time. Got it. Cool. So I think, you know, for the audience, I think there might be some opportunity for someone to hop in and help out the travel industry, perhaps. Um, 
Oh, I think there's lots of opportunity there. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So, you know, what's you know, what's one big struggle you face while growing your business? I would say, uh, from an entrepreneur's perspective, uh, a big struggle was going from creating the business to managing the business. Um, that that was probably the single biggest struggle because I got into the you know I I love to create things and I love to do the development side and that's exciting and and you get to um, almost be an artist if you will you get to take your passion and start to implement it and shape this this thing out of nothing um, and that's to me that's so satisfying but when I got to the point where I had um, a handful of employees you know I had. I don't know at what point, maybe eight, nine, ten employees. I realized I also had to do personnel management because I wasn't large enough to um, have an HR director. Mm-hmm. So I it, it kind of it came down to me dealing with HR, and I had no desire to do HR. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, I had no, I didn't have much aptitude for it as as well. So to make that transition from being an entrepreneur and creating. And building all the systems and the processes, and the and and thinking about how we we're going to market and build the brand and all that kind of thing. To go from that to to managing people was a really hard transition for me. And I would say I took about four years struggling through learning a lot about myself um, and learning a lot about how to um, motivate um, employees, how to um, how to criticize employees. Um, and how to make changes with my staff as well, um, both adding them and sometimes subtracting them. And um, that was very hard for me personally. And, um, but I do, I, do, I do think that because I, I kept at it and I realized it was something I needed to learn about and I needed to, to uh, teach myself about, um, learn my limitations, learn my strengths in it, I feel that because of that we were able to go from having, you know, just – eight employees to having 20 now and having, having just, you know, several hundred clients to having, you know, almost 4,000 a year now. So I really credit that um, ability to finally learn how to manage my team and, um, and actually be satisfied with it and find pleasure in, in being part of that team and managing that team. I really credit that to the, the growth we've had and the longevity we've had. Wow. Okay. And how did you go about, you know, learning? What's one thing you did to kind of learn how to manage people better? Oh, <laughs> failing a lot, I would say. Um, no, I mean, um, I read HR books, and, and which are really boring to read, but um, you know, you got to do it. So I read everything from HR for Dummies to more sophisticated books about managing people, and. Um, I also brought in some of my team that I trusted their their opinion on HR matters. I would ask them um, for their opinion on on certain things. Um, so I wasn't afraid to say, "Hey, I don't know what's the best solution here. What do you think?" Um, I also encouraged um, some of my team that had been with me the longest and that I felt most comfortable with. I encouraged them to tell me, "Hey, Brian, you need to step back from this and rethink your approach." and um, being open to that and um, and also wanting to really succeed in it and, and, and educating myself about it, I think those were the, that was the combination of things that helped me 
um, get to where we are today. And I'm fairly proud of where we are today because now, um, because of that, I mean, I think we've won outsides. Um, we've been listed by Outside Magazine for best places to work, I think, four years now, maybe five. So for a small company, that's that's hard to do because most of the companies, we kind of just hit the threshold of around 20 employees for that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to offer the kind of you know benefits and work environment and longevity for people. And we've got people who have been with me now for 13, 12, 13 years now. Wow. Um, it's hard to do that as a small company. Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like we've done it and I it was definitely the hardest thing I had to do. Got it. Okay. Well, it all paid off, right? <laughs> cool. So so good. <laughs> yep. um, was there a point in time where the company was on the brink of failure? Well, certainly the first three years were like that. Um, and going back to those first three years, I didn't have. There were no investors, so we were. I was self-funded, and which, when I say self-funded, it mean it meant means that I bought my a laptop on a credit card and I had a couple thousand dollars in the bank to pay for hosting the website and, and having a cell phone. So we started, we didn't have invest, I didn't have investors. That was, that's what I had. I had my time. And, um, and so those first three years at any time, it, there was, uh, there was no concept that it was, that it was going to make it. Um, and I, I knew it was going to be that kind of struggle. So I had actually made up in my mind that I would not look at the whether the company was making it or not. I would not try to take any money out for, for myself other than just surviving. Um, I mean, I lived in an attic. I lived in a in a my family's um, has a has a cabin, and I lived there for a little while. <laughs> I mean, I I decided I would not expect to really live off the company for the first three years. Uh, because I knew how hard it would be. And then at the end of three years, I would sort of take a break on the anniversary day, which we consider February 1999, February 1, 1999. I would take a break and I would review whether I should go full, continue forward or not, whether this was going to be a career that I could, that would sustain me economically. Um, so at any given time, those first three years, I didn't know if it was going to make it. And fortunately, we started to feel growth in that third year, and I got to that anniversary point, and I could see the growth happening, and I thought, okay, last the first year I made less than zero, the second year I made about $1,500, and this year, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to make about $20,000, um, and it looks like the fourth year we're on track, track for maybe $40,000, I'm going to keep going. But those first three to four years, those were tough. Those were definitely the toughest years. Got it. So you just got to be really, it's almost to the point where you just got to be very stubborn, but you, you got to know that you're going to succeed, right? I, I, I have a feel. that's how I feel, and I have a feeling a lot of entrepreneurs feel the same way, that they just, they just know they're going to make it, and so they, they, they move forward. Got it. Cool. Awesome. And, you know, three, four years, I mean, that's an eternity in the, in the business world, so props to you on that. Um, <laughs> What's you know what's one piece of advice you'd give to your your twenty five year old self? One piece of advice um, to my twenty five year old self that that's a tough one. Um, I would just I would just give the same advice that I give to everybody, and I would say, hey, um, you're going to be working for a long time. You know, the, your work life is a is a is a lot of years. And so pursue something that you feel really passionate about. 
because even if you fail at it, um, years later you'll know that you you went after it with everything you had. That that's what I would say. Okay, cool, and that's exactly what you did. Um, what's one productivity hack you can share with the audience? What's one what? Productivity hack. Productivity hack. Like, what do you mean? I'm sorry. Could be like, for example, like for example, when I wake up in the morning, or well, I I leave my phone really far away, so it makes sure like. I have to get up, right? I'll turn on all the lights, you know, things like that that, you know, will help me, um, you know, wake up early in the morning. So that's one. Those are some hacks that I use. Okay, okay. Um, well, I would, I would say, oh, I, I don't know if this is quite the right answer, but or what you're, what, if this is really a productivity hack, but um, if, if, you're, if you're an entrepreneur starting your own business, um, all the success and all the failure lies on your shoulders. So that in itself is an incredible motivator because if you fail, it's all your fault. It's all on you. If, but if you succeed, it's also all on you. And so that to me uh, um, has been a driving force from, from the get-go. And so I wake up in the morning and I just know I have things to do and and and, and, um, and 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 wake up, but I would say as time goes, and so in the beginning, that works. That sort of drive is, has always been a a key part of of um, of what I feel has made Adventure Life a success. But I, but something that's happened later in my life that might be useful for your viewers is um, I make sure to go out and and exercise every day, and that clears my mind to an incredible degree and allows me to um, stay creative. Because that is a problem, I think, that happens when you've been doing it now for like 15 years, is the is the the loss of you know that you can get stuck and not be coming up with new ideas, and you can lose some of that passion for what you've been doing. But going out and just being physically active to me is a key thing. So I go out every day and I push myself hard physically, either at the gym or on the mountain bike or on the trail running, and I come back and I feel ready to go because those t that time has let me give me time to think away from my phone and away from my email. Got it. And those are both two very valid, you know, quote unquote hacks. Um, f so for when you work out, I mean, are, do you, do you, do you usually do them in the morning? Like, do you do them at random times? I mean, is there any strategy behind that? Um, it's cha it changes over time. So I would say it's more random. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a couple twice a week right now, for example, twice a week I go in the morning, um, and I do an outdoor, um, running class, which is great because it gets me outside. And you know, sunshine. And I'm not in my office. Like for so, so many odd times, we're in our offices. Yep. <laughs> so I love hitting the trail, and it's a small group of people. So the camaraderie is great as well. And then, unfortunately, because I feel like I'm a bit of a workaholic, I wind I wind up pushing my other workout days to the afternoon. But one of the strategies I use to be sure I work out is I try to have some kind of team thing I'm going to go do. So. Uh, twice a week, I have a. There's a group of guys that I go mountain biking with. So they're. I, I'm. I know that they're meeting at six o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I want to see them. And I know they're not going to wait around for me, so I can't like work, wait till six thirty. I need to be there at six. Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess, a, one of those productivity hacks. I have to be there. Right. Um, and then being with the groups like that. I also feel like I push myself harder because I love to be in a group where people are stronger than I am. Because if the people are stronger and faster than I am, then I have to work harder to keep up. And so I also like that a lot. Totally. Cool. And, okay, that, that, 
you know, I've always tried working out uh, earlier in the morning, and I just find that, you know, sometimes it's hard. I mean, like you said, I mean, you know, shit pops up, right? So you have to, like, totally. you know, go random. And I, I like the whole, the, the you know, mountain biking with groups and things like that. I think I think I'm going to steal that, so thanks, Brian. Um, <laughs> what's, um, what's one must-read book you recommend to the audience? Final question. Oh, my God. Well, I actually have a degree in literature as well. My, my first degree is in English literature. Um, Oh, I've had um, several all-time favorites. And, um, Feel uh, free to name a few. Okay. Well, I for a long time I read a lot of Russian literature, and so I, crazily enough, War and Peace is a pretty amazing novel. <laughs> um, but I would say um, Brothers Karamazov was one of my favorites, and um, and more recently, what have I been reading? Um, Oh, I think you're gonna have to move on. I I read a I read I read a mix. What I, I would actually talk about my some of my reading strategies. So I actually read a a nonfiction book and then a fiction book. And the fiction books I will go from being a what would be considered maybe a, a literature no, a no, novel of literature to a trash novel. So I have kind of three different types of novels. So recently I read um, uh, it wasn't Outliers, but it was um, the other book that the the author has written. Um, good to great. Was, what's that? Was it good to great? No, it wasn't good to great. I think it was um, David. It might have been David and Goliath or something. That, it was, yeah. Okay, so I just read that. I love that book. And then, um, and then I read a trash novel, <laughs> like a thriller, and uh, which was pretty crappy. But it takes your mind off. It's like TV. It's like like watching bad TV. Mm-hmm. And um, and and then I recently read Zorba the Greek, which is another which is one of my favorite novels that I've read recently. So I kind of have this, I like to mix it up basically. Okay. And that works well for me. Is there any reasoning behind the, the, the mixing it up? Sure. I mean, sometimes reading like a, a thriller or something is just fun. And I, reading should be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy that. And then at the same time, I feel like, just reading novels for fun is sort of like watching sitcoms all day. Like maybe you need to you need to read something that will make you think a little more about what's going on in the world around you. So having the nonfiction book helps with that and gives me can give me some ideas sometimes. And then I think from my old days of when I had such a thirst for literature, trying to find something a little more serious, I actually find that that's when I reflect most about my own personal life. Got it. Okay. And- I get different things out of different kinds of books, and for me, that's important. I need all those things. I think that's a really good point because, I mean, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you focus on business all the time. And I, yes. I got too used to just reading business books, and some, now I find myself trying to avoid reading sometimes because it's just like I don't have an opportunity to disconnect, right? Right. So I think it's really important to, to mix it up, and perhaps maybe it's time to buy some fiction books again. So I think that's a good point for yeah. the entire audience because everyone's just so wired in all the time. But, yeah. um, you know, Everyone, Brian Morgan from from Adventure Life. You know, thanks for being on the show. Definitely want to have you again on the show sometime again soon, and we, you know we could talk travel in the next one. That sounds great. Thanks, Eric. It was All a right. pleasure. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Bye bye.